Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Let's play a little movie trivia. What is this from? When I get tired and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. Where's that from? Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney singing it in White Christmas. Verse 2, And when my bankroll is getting small, I remember when I had none at all, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. In other words, even when God something, takes something away, remember to praise Him for all that you've still got. Back in the 1600s, a famous Bible commentator was named Matthew Henry. One day he got robbed, and he wrote this in his diary. First, let me be thankful because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because though they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. <laughs> In other words, instead of complaining about the robbery, he counted his blessings. There was a, a man that was watching a sunset. And the woman comes up to him and says, you know, I noticed how you drank in that sunset. Are you an artist? And he said, no, I'm a plumber, but I was blind for five years. <laughs> well, what I want us to do is take this half hour to count our blessings. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8, where Paul will list seven blessings of the Christian life. This is called the Holy Spirit chapter, because this chapter talks about the Holy Spirit more than any other chapter. And Paul's going to tell us, no matter what's happened to your life, Christian, you can always praise God for seven big things. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray if there's anyone watching who's had a, a loved one taken away or a health uh, issue uh, that's a problem, whatever you maybe have taken from them, Lord, open our, our lips to still praise you for all the things we've still got. Help us have thankful hearts and teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Seven blessings of the Christian life. And the first one is the big one. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Blessing number one, there is no condemnation for Christians. Why? Because Jesus took our condemnation for us. He took our punishment for us on the cross. So now we're forgiven. We're not condemned. There is a story that many, many years ago, there was a boys' school in the hills of Virginia. There was one certain class that was so rowdy, teachers didn't last very long. The story goes, a young teacher out of college hears about this, goes to the principal and says, I'd love to teach that classroom. And the principal says, well, I, I don't know if you're skilled enough. I mean, the teacher says, I, 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 I love a challenge. Can I try? Teacher says, okay. 
teacher, uh, the principal says, okay, teacher walks into the class, the boys are throwing erasers. Boys, welcome, I'm your new teacher. And they all start making noise and he says, but you know, I, I want us to really learn this year, but we really can't learn or have a class without certain rules. And why don't you help me? You tell me what would be some good rules for this class. And one boy yelled out, no stealing. Teacher takes the chalk. Number one, no stealing. What's another rule? On time. Okay, number two, on time. An another rule. Number three, no cheating. Number three, no cheating. Finally, they get about ten rules on the board. And the teacher says, but boys, rules are no good unless you can enforce them. What do we do to the boy who breaks a rule here? And one of them said, ten switches with, with the stick with his coat off. And the teacher said, well, that's kind of strict. Are you boys sure you can take it? And they said, oh, we can take it, we can take it. And class began. And for a number of days, they were learning. There was order in the classroom. But on one day, it was discovered that little Jim had stolen the lunch of Big Tom. So the teacher stood in front of the class and said, you know what the rule is, Jim, come forward. And this little boy comes to the front of the class clutching his coat around him. And the teacher said, well, you know the rule, take the coat off. The little boy took the coat off. He didn't have any shirt on. And, te and the teacher said, Jimmy, why aren't you wearing your shirt? Well, I only have one shirt, and mother's washing it today, so my brother lent me his coat. And the teacher knew how poor this boy was. But he also knew if I don't enforce the rules, I won't have order. So he put the little boy over his lap and he took the switch, hit him once, hit him twice, and suddenly Big Tom jumps up. Teacher, can one boy pay for another boy in this class? I mean, if I took his whipping for him, can we do that? And the teacher said, well, if the class agrees, I suppose we can. They all agreed. Big Tom came up. The teacher took the switch, hit him three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then the switch broke off in the teacher's hand. And the teacher just is looking down because he doesn't, you know, it's, this is hard on the teacher. And he hears crying. And he looks up. And here little Jim has put his arms around the neck of Big Tom. And he said, Tom... I did steal your lunch, but you took my whipping for me, and I'll remember you forever for that, Tom. I'll remember you forever. The number one blessing of the Christian life that no one can take away from you is we have no condemnation because our older brother, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, went to the cross and took our whipping for us, so we now have the forgiveness of sins. That's the first blessing of the Christian life, no condemnation. Now, before I move to the next blessing, though, I want to make a distinction. Here's the distinction. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, convicts. The devil condemns. When you do something wrong and you feel guilty, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. We're supposed to listen to that, but we don't listen to the devil's condemnation that says you're going to hell now because of your sins. No, why? Because our condemnation has been taken care of. Next blessing of the Christian life, verse 2. Romans 8, verse 2. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Here's the second blessing of the Christian life. We are free from sin and death. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, really? I still sin, and as a Christian, I'm still going to die. What do you mean I'm free from sin and death? Well, the question is, how do you put Romans chapter 8 together with Romans chapter 7? Because in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the nitty-gritty battle Christians have with sin, and even though we're Christians, we're still subject to sin. So Romans 7 says Christians are still under sin, but then Romans chapter 8, Paul says, no, they're not. So what do we do with this? Well, I studied on this, and here's three things the scholars said. I think these are good points. Number one, they said, both chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Romans are true of the Christian life, and neither chapter is to be watered down or explained away. Second thing to say, there is a vast difference between the way a believer is under the power of sin and an unbeliever is under the power of sin. The believer resists sin, the unbeliever doesn't. The believer does have a degree of victory over sin, the unbeliever doesn't. In fact, the unbeliever often doesn't even know he's sinning. And one more thing to say on this, the believer knows one day he will be totally free from the power of sin, the unbeliever knows nothing of this. So, if you read Romans 8 and it says, I'm free from sin and death, but I'm still sinning and I'm still going to die, the answer is, yeah, you're still sinning, but not like you would be if Christ wasn't in your life. And yeah, you're going to die, but it's going to be nothing for you compared to what it is for the rest of mankind. I, I had a, a difficult gentleman I was dealing with and said he's a Christian. He served the church in a certain form. And rip-roaring alcoholic, drinking a lot, getting drunk a lot, living with his girlfriend. And I had a very difficult confrontation with him saying, you know, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, drunkards, fornicators, don't go to heaven. And he uh, got mad at me, never came back to church. I had a dream <laughs> that I was hugging this old man, begging him not to go to hell. And yes, you know, Christian, we still sin. We still are going to die. It's nothing for us like it's going to be for the rest of mankind who won't repent and turn to Christ. Verse 3, third blessing of the Christian life, Romans 8, verse 3. For the law, that means God's law, the Ten Commandments, the do's and don'ts of the Bible. God's law, what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, through our human nature, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, God condemns sin in the flesh. Here's the third blessing. God has done it. What I couldn't do because I'm so weak and sinful, God has done for me in the person of Christ. I'm talking to this, this man, and he said, you know, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved anymore. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I, I see these preachers, and, and they say you've got to repent to be saved. You've got to make Jesus Lord of your life to be saved. How do you know if you've repented enough? How do you know if he's 100% the Lord of your life? And I said, those questions will drive you crazy. And I said to him, nobody repents perfectly. Nobody makes Jesus 100% the Lord of their life, because if they did, they'd never sin again. So I tried to assure him, what saves us is this. God did what we couldn't on the cross. So by God's grace, by Jesus on the cross, that's what saves us. Fourth blessing of the Christian life. Look at verse 4. So that 
the requirement of the law, God's law, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, the evil human nature, but according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Here's the next blessing of the Christian life. We don't have to live like the rest of mankind. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us now. We don't have to live like we used to. Now, uh, one scholar by the name of F.F. F. Bruce said this, and I, I want you to, to just zero in on this paragraph. Listen to this. The law, God's law, Ten Commandments will say, the law prescribed a life of holiness, but it was powerless to produce such a life in us because of the inadequacy of the human material, our, our fallen nature, that it had to work with. But what the law was powerless to do has been done by God. Now that God's own Son, sent to earth in the likeness of sinful flesh, has given up his life as an offering for sin on our behalf, the death sentence has been passed on our indwelling sin. All that the law, God's law, required by way of conformity to the will of God is now realized in the lives of those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And he says this, A vine does not produce grapes by an act of parliament. They are the fruit of the vine's own life. So the conduct which conforms to God's kingdom is not produced by any demand, not even God's demand, but it is the fruit of that divine nature, the Holy Spirit, that God has put in us. In other words, you don't have to live like you used to. You don't have to live like the rest of the world because you've got the Holy Spirit now. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh, the evil human nature, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. For the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Here's the next blessing of the Christian life. Peace of mind. I knew an old godly man by the name of Olaf. We called him Saint Olaf. And he said to me, you know, I, he wasn't converted until he, I think he was in his 20s. And he said, you know what I remember? When I got converted, I got peace of mind. There was a, a school that was, they brought in a Hindu one week, an atheist the other week, and then I came in. Uh, I think I was maybe near the end. But I said to these high school students, if, you, if there is no Jesus, if there is no God, there's no purpose or meaning to anything. If God doesn't exist, if there's no creation and, and purpose and meaning to the created order, nothing makes sense, nothing has any point or purpose. I said, that would drive me nuts. And I said to them, the reason I believe in Jesus, well, number one, because he's real, but number two, it gives me peace of mind. It gives me a reason to live. Number two, it makes me know my sins are forgiven. Listen, Christian, a huge thing that you have that the world doesn't have is peace of mind. Verse 9, Romans 8, verse 9. However, you, Christians, are not in the flesh, your evil human nature, but in the spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Here's the next blessing of the Christian life. The indwelling Holy Spirit. Do you know that you have God living in your life if you're a Christian? The third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, dwells in us, lives in us. That's rather huge. That's a big deal. There's a, there's a story that back in the you know, 900s, uh, uh, 10 hundreds, when the Vikings were exploring, 
on their ships, they would take a, a crate full of ravens. And when they got near land, but they weren't sure where the land was, they'd take a raven, throw them in the sky, and the raven could see the land and head there, and they'd turn the boat, and they'd find the land. That's kind of what the Holy Spirit is like. Christian, we have God, the Holy Spirit, living in us to lead us and guide through us through life. The world doesn't have that. And I want you to notice one thing before we leave verse 9. Notice how easily Paul goes from talking about the Spirit of God in the first part of verse 9 to the Spirit of Christ in the second part of verse 9. For the Apostle Paul, Christ is God. The Bible teaches Jesus is God. That's just a little example. Last blessing is verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in you. Here's the last blessing of the Christian life, present and future life. One of the little debates scholars have about that verse is, is Paul talking about the Spirit giving us life right now on earth? or giving us life after we die in heaven? And the answer is, yes, it's both. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives us life right now to get through our trials, and especially when we die, the Holy Spirit will give us new life, we'll be in eternity with the Lord. And you know, let me just say this, I have done a lot of funerals. Funerals are depressing, can you imagine how depressing they would be if we didn't have the truth of this verse that the Holy Spirit, when I die, will give me life? I mean, I've shared this before, but let me just say it again. Here was a lady of our church who was dying. We had a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Somebody prayed, Lord, heal Gertrude. And my eyes were closed, but it's like I, I, it's like I had a, like a picture pop into my head. And I saw Gertrude in this dirty, dark room. She was standing in front of a door, closed door. On the other side of the door was beautiful paradise. But our prayers for her healing were pulling her back into the dark room. And I said to the people that night, if we could see what's on the other side of that door, we'd let Gertrude go. And she went. I mean, I think she died a day or two later. Here's the little girl. She skips through the graveyard every day on her way home from school. Uh, an old man that, that walked the graveyard saw this little girl do this every day, and finally one day he stopped her and he said, little girl, this is a large graveyard. Aren't you afraid to walk through this graveyard all by yourself? And she said, no, sir, because I know my home is right on the other side. You and I are going to go into a graveyard someday. It's a lot easier knowing the truth of Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit, when I'm in that tomb, is going to give me life and take me to the Father. So when you get tired and you can't sleep, count your blessings instead of sheep. And here are the seven blessings I want you to count. Thank you, God, there's no condemnation for me. Jesus took my condemnation. Thank you that I'm free from the life of sin and death. Thank you that you have done what I couldn't do for our salvation. Thank you that I can live according to the Spirit, that God the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Thanks for peace of mind. Thanks for the indwelling spirit. Thank you for present and future life. And I'll close with this. A, a habit I got into about 10 years ago, I still do it pretty much every night. Before you go to bed tonight, think back through the day 
and thank God for five things that he did for you that day. Count your blessings. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, if I'm feeling guilty, how do I know if that conviction is from the Holy Spirit or if it's con condemnation from the devil? Okay, let's say, Jackie, uh, you, you slip and you say, oh my God. Well, that's a sin. People don't know it. That's violating the second commandment. Don't take God's name in vain. Or let's say you do it and you feel guilty. I think that's the Holy Spirit saying you should ask for forgiveness for that. Let's say you ask for forgiveness and now you still feel guilty. Well, the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God forgives. So God has forgiven you. So why am I feeling guilty now? That's when it is the condemnation of the devil. He tries to tell you God didn't forgive you. You ask, but God won't keep his word. God won't follow 1 John 1, 9. So once you've repented, if you still feel guilt, you're supposed to ignore that. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If I have trouble getting that peace of mind about something, do you have any advice on how a person can go about getting that yeah. lasting peace of yeah. mind? You know, something they have in the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and they have it in the Lutheran Church, too, in the Episcopal Church, although sadly it's not used as much as it should. It's called confession absolution. And, and Jackie, here's the way it works. A, a pastor told me this. There was a woman in his church who could not forgive herself for a sin that she committed. And she kept saying to the pastor, oh, I don't think I'm saved. You know, and she just, she'd repented. She'd ask God to forgive her. She could not believe. Finally, he did. It's called the office of the keys. God, Jesus gave the disciples the, the keys that whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. He said, I put my hand on her head. And I said, woman, in the name of Jesus Christ, I announce to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he said, it broke. <laughs> she was fine after that. And this is called the office of the keys. You find it in John chapter 20. Jesus breathes on the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. So we as the church have the privilege of announcing to one another the forgiveness of sins. We need to use that more often. I was going to say, I don't think it's used very no. often. It's I mean, I've been a, a Lutheran pastor for many years. Now and then, someone confesses their sins to me. But it, it's... We're missing something by, by neglecting that. So, Pastor Brock, does everybody have the Holy Spirit, or how does a person receive the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit? Um, Paul, the, uh, the apostles, on, I think on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, say to the people, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it, Paul says, into one spirit we have been baptized. So does everyone have the Holy Spirit? No. You need to be baptized, and you need to believe in Christ to have the Holy Spirit. Okay, can you still be a Christian and not have the Holy no. Spirit? No, in fact, because you can't even believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit okay. imparting faith to you. Yeah. So, does the Holy Spirit ever leave a person? That's a hard one. Because it says in the Old Testament about King Saul, the bad king, it says the Spirit of God left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord came to Saul. So there's an example of where the Holy Spirit left Saul. Now some people would argue, and they may be right, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, few people had the Holy Spirit. Kings, prophets, 
uh, some of these people. The Holy Spirit is not poured out on all kinds of people until the New Testament at Pentecost. But so some could argue that, yeah, Saul had the Spirit, but not in the salvation sense. He had the Spirit in the sense of ruling Israel. Uh, it does say in the, in the New Testament, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So, Jackie, here's the way I think it works. You can quench the Spirit. Paul says don't quench. You can push him down. But if you're a true believer in Christ, will the Holy Spirit ever leave you? I mean, I, Jackie, I don't exactly know what to say to that. I will say this. The Holy Spirit does not leave every time you sin. Some people are afraid, oh, the Holy Spirit left. No, look, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, when he comes in, he comes in to stay. Can you make an act of apostasy and kick Jesus out of your life and then lose the Spirit? Uh, I think maybe that's a possibility. Some would say, though, and they may be right, if you have the Holy Spirit, he prevents you from ever doing that. Those are Calvinists. So they may be right, um, but the Holy Spirit does not leave us every time we sin. I think it's very interesting that you just talked about in the Old Testament, the people really didn't know about the Holy Spirit then. They knew about the Spirit some because in the, you know, the very first chapter of the Bible, the first paragraph, you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God created. The Spirit of God was moving mm -hmm. over the face of the okay. waters and God said the Word of God is Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, but being poured out on all kinds of people is Acts chapter 2. Okay, I had never really thought about it until you just said it and yeah. it really kind of cleared, but yeah. I mean, when you think about some of the Old Testament people that are so famous and everything, mm -hmm. they probably never really had the gift of the Spirit. Well, I, I would say that they did in a sense. I mean, here's the thing, here's what Jesus David said. David? Yeah, he would have, yeah, yeah, they're a good example. Right. What does David pray after he sins? O Lord, create in me a clean heart. Take not thy Holy Spirit, Spirit from, from me. me. So okay. David had the Holy Spirit. Now again, some people had it, but it, the Holy Spirit, for instance, Jesus says to the disciples in the New Testament, the Spirit is with you and will be in you. So when Jesus was with the 12 disciples, the Spirit was with them, but the Spirit came in them at Pentecost. Okay, Yeah. good, good point. Um, so how do you really know if you truly have the Spirit, Holy okay. Spirit? Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. A good tree does not produce bad fruit, and a, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. There's something called the fruit of the Spirit. Let me list them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I can't the, have all of those at one time. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I, We're not perfect at them. Yeah, but think of what Jackie would be like <laughs> without the Holy Spirit. You'd have nothing. <laughs> okay. So it's not like we're perfect on all those areas, and there are certain fruits that we're better at. I mean, I don't have much patience either, um, but, but th the evidence is, do you have the Spirit working in your life? Are there certain things you're doing now that you would never do on your own? I think that's an indication of whether you have the Spirit. Thanks for being with us this week. I know we went a little bit over, and we thank you for your prayers and everything, and God bless until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Mm -hmm.